The Penn State offense blows a big opportunity to beat Ohio State, and the Michigan Stadium tunnel problem boils over. This is Locked On Big Ten. You are Locked On Big Ten, your daily podcast on the Big Ten Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, thanks for tuning in to Locked On Big Ten. I'm your host, Nate Dickinson, and we've got everything you need to know about the Big Ten Conference every day of the week here on Locked On. Coming up on today's show, we're going to take a look at the weekend of games Penn State and Ohio State on the field, Michigan and Michigan State on the field and off the field. We have to talk about all that's coming up here on the show in just a moment. Today's show is brought to you by Sling TV. Sling has something for everyone, especially when it comes to college football. With a massive lineup of games across the ACC, Big Ten, Pac-12, and SEC, I can always watch the games I want on Sling, and now you can too. Check out the Sling TV now to see the massive lineup of games they have all season long. Sling, the TV you love for a price you'll love. Try it out today. All right, let's get into the weekend of games in Big Ten football. We're going to get into the fight between Michigan and Michigan State, if you want to call it that, in the tunnel after the game here after our first segment. But let's stick with what happened on the field before we get into the ugly stuff. Starting with Ohio State and Penn State, the big noon Saturday game and the biggest game in the Big Ten did not disappoint on Saturday, with Penn State giving Ohio State the toughest fight that we've seen out of any team so far. The box score, though, not quite indicative, I don't think at least, of how exactly this game played out. First off, Penn State's defense was outstanding, I thought, for just about all of this game until until Ohio State pulled away at the end. Nittany Lions had a terrible spot to start this game, with Sean Clifford giving them three possessions to try and stop Ohio State in the first nine minutes on the field. That was nine out of the first 12 minutes of the game that the Penn State defense had to be on the field. So when you put all those factors together and the fact that they spent basically no time on or off the field for the first quarter, the fact that Ohio State only got 10 points in those three possessions is kind of impressive. Again, giving up 10 points in a quarter isn't great, but when you're doing it the way that Penn State had to do it, it's a little bit better. That being said, as good as the defense was for Penn State, the offense was equally as bad. Sean Clifford just really, really struggled to start this game. You mentioned the two interceptions that he had that led to more Ohio State points and put the defense with its back against the wall really right off the bat. But then things started to change a little bit. Penn State started to get things working and going. Parker Washington was outstanding in the receiving core. It looked like after those two interceptions, we may start to get the better Sean Clifford for this game. And that had me thinking, okay, well, if the defense can keep doing what it's been doing, maybe the Nittany Lions got a shot here. And they did. Defense stood up tall throughout, again, all the way up until the fourth quarter. The Penn State offense was, again, the reason why they lost the game, but at least able to get something going against what had been a top-notch Ohio State defense so far this season. It was looking like a game that could end up being an upset. Penn State was 
doing the things it needed to do to win the game. Breaks were going their way too, and when you're trying to beat Ohio State, you have to have a little bit of a combination of all of that. But then the Buckeyes just pull away. Offense wasted. A really solid day on defense for Penn State, and that's my biggest takeaway from this game. Not that Ohio State got played close. Not that Penn State was able to keep up with them. But that the Nittany Lions offense was given pretty much the ideal situation to be able to pull off this big upset. Defense played great. Ohio State had 30 rushing yards at halftime. The offense just couldn't do anything with it. And you go from being, instead of, let's say, if Sean Clifford doesn't throw those two picks maybe, this ends up being a game where Penn State's like up a couple of possessions maybe even as things start in the fourth quarter. Instead, you're looking at a spot where Ohio State is right there in it. It knows it hasn't been playing its best football, but can go out in that fourth quarter, drop 28 points on you, and say, okay, this game's over. And that's what that's what Ohio State does. And when talking about the wrapping up of this game, I wrote in my notes as I was watching, Ohio State just did what Ohio State does in that last part of the game. Ohio State takes the lead with a touchdown. And then let me just run you through the remaining uh, drives up until the point where this thing was really out of reach. So Ohio State goes up after Catron Allen's rushing touchdown with a touchdown of their own. The sequence is that Ohio State touchdown, Penn State fumble, Ohio State touchdown, Penn State field goal, Ohio State touchdown, Ohio State pick six. From the time that Ohio State takes that lead to the time of that pick six that makes it a 20-point game, that's less than six minutes of game time. That's why the Buckeyes are the best in the country. That's why this Ohio State team is even more so than in previous years thought to be up with, if not better, than the Bamas, the Tennessees, the Georgias that dominate this sport. Because we've all known that those teams have always been there, but with Ohio State, they've always been the playoff contender, playoff team out of the Big Ten, when things go their way. They're the best program out there right now in the, in the conference. But I don't know if they really have gotten that kind of respect of the dominant Georgias and Alabamas, even though they have a similar kind of resume. This is something where you're thinking, okay, this is why. Everyone has this Ohio State team just a little bit higher, a little bit of a notch up. It's that kind of the offense working that really, really does it. And then when the defense kicks it back into gear two, you're unstoppable. Penn State loses this game 44-31. And it was, I guess, about what that final score indicates, but getting there is... Uh, was an adventure. Penn State could have won this game. Penn State could have won this football game. The offense did not show up in a way that let it have a chance. Because once Ohio State turned it back on, that was it. Game over. Other big game from the weekend, of course, Michigan against Michigan State. This one was uglier. Uh, the, the early game was a really fun football game. You went back and forth. You had good scoring. You had exciting plays throughout. Michigan, Penn, or Michigan, Michigan State obviously had that, but when you look at that 29-7 final, you kind of understand this was a little bit more of a Big Ten game in pure essence. Uh, at the beginning, 
Michigan State looked like Penn State did, not even just like it would be able to possibly beat Michigan, but at least for that first quarter and maybe a little bit more, I thought the Spartans had a chance to like beat Michigan while just genuinely being the better team on the field that day. I mentioned with Penn State, the Nittany Lions could be really, really good, and Ohio State has a bad day. And I still think they might need a little bit of luck in there and some breaks to go their way if they wanted to pull off that upset. With this Michigan State game, I was going in thinking the same team. I mean, the same thing. Michigan can't or Michigan State can't stop anything on defense. These two teams seem more overmatched than even they had been before Michigan State started winning these games, perhaps, in the last couple of years under Mel Tucker. Easily the most overmatched I think they had been since Mel Tucker had gotten there. That being said, things looked good. Uh, Michigan State got a turnover. That's one of those breaks I'm talking about earlier. It looked like it would be at least a potential to see a really good game for Peyton Thorne. Instead, Michigan kind of just takes control after that first quarter and never lets Michigan State do anything again. That's really how how it becomes kind of a more boring kind of thing. But Michigan State was getting into it early. They had a little bit not like trick plays, but tricky plays, that uh, little end around thing they did. Going outside and getting around that corner a lot, that's just a sign of a team that's out playing to you if they've beaten you to the edge. And Michigan State was doing that at the start of this game. And then Michigan, again, just kind of in the same way Ohio State did. It flipped its switch and decided, oh, okay, we're going to take this over. We're obviously the better team in this game. Both those matchups. I thought, obviously, Michigan State gave in a little bit earlier. But both those matchups, I was sitting there through the first, at least, quarter for Michigan State. And then, I mean, obviously, just about all the game for Penn State, thinking, oh, Ohio State and Michigan could lose. And when I have gone throughout the season, there isn't really anything that's made me thought that in the same way that those two teams did on Saturday. Unfortunately, Saturday was also probably the best chance for either of those teams to lose the rest of the season. Unfortunately, if you're a fan of anybody else in the Big Ten. So it looks like, at least right now, we're dead set on pretty much what we've been waiting for all year a game against Michigan and Ohio State to decide who goes to the Big Ten title game and hopefully who goes to the college football playoff. We always kind of knew that was coming, but I think that this weekend was the final nail in the coffin to really avoid or really have a chance to avoid that and get anything else. That's a look at the two biggest games, of course, from over the weekend coming up. After the matchup between Michigan State and Michigan, we had a scuffle in the tunnel. The one tunnel that Michigan Stadium has, you may have heard. We're going to talk about that in just a second on Locked On Big Ten. Before we get into any of that, though, our partners at Nissan have worked with us to create a new segment across the Locked On College network titled Thrilling Moments, where we highlight the most exciting play from the Big Ten weekend or throughout the history of the Big Ten. We're going to go weekend, of course, here. This week's thrilling moment from the Big Ten is Blake Corm's 41-yard run for the touchdown against Michigan State, helping the Wolverines put away Sparty in that matchup. It was, of course, a really, really fun matchup in that game. And Michigan State, Michigan, obviously always a good rivalry to watch in on. The Nissan thrilling moment. Pursue what thrills you have 
in the all-new Frontier Armada or Pathfinder today, available now at NissanUSA.com. This segment inspired by the thrilling new designs featured across Nissan's new vehicles. All right, let's talk about the ugly of this game between Michigan State and Michigan. After the game, Michigan and Michigan State going back into the tunnel. Michigan State goes in first. A Michigan player goes ahead and gets into the group in the middle of Michigan State players. I'm not sure exactly why that was. Uh, Harbaugh said, guy had to go to the bathroom, which is understandable, I suppose. Uh, but maybe hold it, I, I guess, for another second or pee your pants if it's that bad. I, I don't see the reason to go into that situation in that moment. But again, that's not like it puts any sort of blame on him. Moving on. So then gets into the Michigan State huddle at some point. And we've seen, if you're a fan, you've seen probably videos that at least do it somewhat good justice to see what happens. ESPN actually had a video, I think, that was published earlier today that has what, in my opinion, was the best angle of it that we've seen so far. Something that's not just on a phone camera or anything. But you can see everyone just starting to get into some sort of scuffle. There's a big, big mound of MSU players, and it turns out it's around a Michigan player. And he's just getting, I mean, at some points for a couple of seconds in the video, it looks like just beaten over the head by a group of Michigan State Spartans. And it ends up in four suspensions for Penn State, or for Michigan State. MSU suspends Tank Brown, Kari Crump, Angelo Gross, and Zion Young. This was something that a couple of weeks ago when we talked about it between James Franklin and Jim Harbaugh, they're back and forth. I was kind of ready to say, hey, this is something that will blow over and be nothing. I did say that, I think. Because, to be fair, you should just be able to walk down the hallway, right? Yes, they only have one tunnel. Yes, that's unusual for a college football stadium. But hey, how about we all just be grown men and walk down this tunnel and get into our locker rooms without any problems, right? That was my sentiment at the time when this was between Penn State and Michigan. That was a nothing. It's now become a something. Something we have to talk about, something we have to address. Because this is unacceptable, what happened on Saturday. You can say whatever you want about, oh, well, the kids should just be sure to control themselves and be able to handle themselves in these situations. But at the same time, like, you're, again, not to try and take blame away from anyone, but just, if you had a second tunnel, like, it, these are, again, people making stupid decisions. But these are also teenagers that have just been thrown around on the ground by these guys for the last three hours. So there's a balance here in exactly how grown up you are. Not to defend anything that happened, but it's just very clear now that this is something that something needs to be done. It's not enough anymore to just say, hey, let's all be grown-ups about this, because it keeps happening. And that's just not okay. Another note. I think Harbaugh has to take at least a very, very small amount of the blame here. Because of what he said when James Franklin brought this up a couple of weeks ago. In the press conference, he called it an assault, what happened to his players. And, hey, he's right for defending his guys and going after what happened with Michigan State. But when you say what you said a few weeks ago, I have the quote right here about what James Franklin had to say. That it's ridiculous that they don't have two tunnels, that that needs to be fixed, it should be fixed. He said, and I'm quoting, 
really got bigger fish to fry than Franklin's opinion on the halftime tunnel from a game ago. All you've got to do is walk into the locker room. He goes on to say, you know what, I'll read the whole thing. All you really got to do is lock into the walk into the locker room. Like you saw pretty clearly that they completely stopped. They weren't letting us get up the tunnel, and it just seems like a sophomoric ploy to keep us out of the locker rooms. And Franklin looked like he was the ringleader of the whole thing. I got bigger fish to fry than worry about that kind of whining. Now, when he says he has bigger fish to fry, he's not really referring to the tunnel itself. He's referring to James Franklin's comments on the tunnel. He's saying he doesn't care about that, but even with that context, I've got bigger fr- fish to fry than worry about that kind of whining. That's just dismissing it all. Dismissing the whole situation, dismissing that the tunnel had something to do with it, dismissing that Franklin had something to do with it. That was Harbaugh just saying, hey, I don't want to talk about this anymore. This does not matter. Just walk to the locker rooms. And at the time, he's right. I mean, this hadn't happened yet. There had been other things like this that had gone down when teams have gone to the locker rooms at Michigan. But something like this is a little bit different, right? A lot different, of course. For him to say that, I feel like you have to at least say, hey, I was wrong when James Franklin said that a few weeks ago. Yes, maybe, again, it seems like he was more upset at Franklin's comments than what actually happened. But either way, it was a downplaying in those quotes by Harbaugh. And it's become very clear that downplaying is not what should have happened in that case. And I have a hard time at least believing that if James Franklin sees it clearly enough to call it out, then maybe Jim Harbaugh had an idea that something like this could happen at some point. Maybe, just maybe. Again, he wasn't wrong at the time. Just walk to the locker rooms. But unfortunately, because of what happened on Saturday, we're past that point now. Something needs to be done to make sure that something like this never happens again. Because we can blame these stupid kids as much as we want. But at the same time, these are teenagers, again, who had just got done playing three hours of a football game that makes you very, very emotional. And has you ready to run through a brick wall for people or fight whoever's on the other side. For them to be in that situation, I think, is something that the University of Michigan can fix. The fact that it happened, absolutely. Put all the blame on the people who did it. But part of the job of these institutions is to prepare people for the real world, right? Help make sure that they're ready to go when it comes time to start the life and also protect them. I feel like those players weren't very well protected in what happened in the tunnel. Again, it's not their fault. It's not Michigan's fault that this happened. But if there's something that can be done to not have players go into this situation, you do it. And now, after the fact, it seems kind of foolish that we had never even just done anything at all before. We're going to wrap up with all the rest of the news from around the Big Ten weekend here on the show in just a moment on Locked On Big Ten. Before we get to that, though, sweat block wipes are a must-have for everyone's toiletry bag. It's a lifesaver if you're someone who sweats a lot or isn't someone who sweats a lot but knows that this might be one of those days, whether it's super hot outside, maybe not relevant in Big Ten country on a particular day, or even in the winter, too. When you put on those big winter jackets, 
if you're leaving them on for a little while, things can get a little hot underneath, I know. So if you're someone like that, you can go over to sweatblock.com and just get the ease of mind. That's my favorite thing about it. It's not necessarily that I'm super worried about sweating all the time or I'm constantly thinking about that, but the point is that when it does happen, when I start to see a little bit of the stain on the shirt or anything like that, you can just take out a wipe, wipe your underarms, you're done. Don't have to worry about it the rest of the day. You're good to go. It's sweatblock.com, and if you want to try it out and see what I'm talking about for a little bit less, use our promo code Locked On for 20% off. Locked On for 20% off at sweatblock.com. They're also available on Amazon. All right, let's wrap things up here. Locked On Big Ten, rest of the news from over the weekend. New AP poll is out. Ohio State's in second still, but now tied for second with Tennessee. Volunteers getting a couple of extra votes to even things up with Ohio State. Michigan stays put at number four. The Illinois Fighting Illini are up to number 14 in the third best ranked team in the Big Ten now. Illinois fans, I'm sure, thrilled to be in that spot. And finally, Penn State slides down to 16 with the loss to Ohio State. Only other team in the polls is Maryland. They finish out at number 28. What would be 28 if they went that far with the polls? And Terrapin's sneaking up there, slowly but surely approaching top 25 status. We're going to have to start talking a little bit more about Tali Tungabaloa and those Terps. Other Big Ten news, Big Ten Players of the Week from over the weekend. Blake Corum gets it on offense, 177 yards on the ground, not too shabby. Of course, JT Tuamilawa, shoot, I forgot to write the pronunciation down when I was prepping the show. I'm sorry, JT. I had it written down. I, I know that it's very, very hard. We will get that because it was the best game defensively I've seen out of a Big Ten player in a very, very, very long time. I apologize for that botched attempt to get your name. Uh, special teams player Jake Moody of Michigan, freshman of the week, Drew Stevens of Iowa with his four field goals. Those are your Big Ten awards winners from the weekend. On the soccer pitch, Maryland has won the men's Big Ten soccer title, which means the men's Big Ten tournament is starting up soon. It will feature top-seeded Maryland, and the next top seeds will be Rutgers, Ohio State, and IU, rounding out the top four seeds in that tournament that starts up this weekend. Another Big Ten news from over the weekend, some games in the top 25 yesterday in field hockey. Number 19, James Madison, went on the road to face off against number 21, Rutgers, Rutgers picked up a big win at home, 3 to nothing. the final score. And number 2, Maryland, on the road against number 13, UConn. They picked up a road win, final score, 2-1. to one. Finally, two recruiting updates and commitments on the football field. Unranked defensive lineman Ontario Thompson from Council Bluffs, Iowa, has committed to, may have guessed it, the Hawkeyes of Iowa. This guy unranked, but I believe will probably be getting a ranking at least at some point soon from the 24-7 composites. He had other offers across D1, including in the Big Ten. Nebraska and Illinois had given him the offer. He is also still scheduled to visit both Kansas and NC State this month. But that's six foot two, 280 pounds on the defensive line, Ontario Thompson committing to Iowa. Also, just earlier today, unranked corner, Austin Alexander of the 2024 football class commits to Wisconsin. He's out of Chicago Heights, six foot one, one sixty-five. Little less story, a little less of a story on this unranked recruit. Badgers were the only offer that were listed on twenty-four-seven that we know about, and this 
commitment comes less than a month after that offer comes in from Wisconsin. So a pretty quick pulling of the trigger from Alexander. But two recruits committed to Big Ten teams. Well, of course, going to have John Garcia Jr. on again at some point soon to talk more about football recruiting across the Big Ten. And, of course, football seasons. Still only about oh, three, four weeks left before we get into the nitty-gritty and all the stuff that we've been waiting for all year. Going to be a whole lot of fun. We'll have it all for you here on Locked On Big Ten every single weekday. Until tomorrow, I'm Nate Dickinson. Follow the show wherever you get your podcasts on YouTube and on Twitter. It's Locked On Big Ten. That's one zero at the end, not T-E-N of Big Ten. And I'm Nate Dickinson, at Nate with Sports on Twitter, too. I'll talk to you tomorrow. This has been Locked On Big Ten.